Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Big show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. It's hump day. Woo-woo! Hump day? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Happy Wednesday to everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Jake Scott with you at our Vivint Smart Home Arena studios. Austin Horton across the glass from me. And we don't know if we've connected with Gordon quite yet. Sound the alarm. (laughs) Raise the alarm. I was literally just on the phone with him moments ago. So he he could not be far. Austin, other than uh, Gordon uh, raising your blood pressure, how are things going over there? You doing all right? Uh, It's a fine 202 in the afternoon, yes. Good EP podcast today. A great EP podcast. There's a lot of stuff going on today. There is. There's a lot of NBA. Finally. A lot of NBA conversation to be had. You and I have both had uh, interesting experiences at the grocery store recently. Uh, I know Gordon has a lot of thoughts on many different topics, including ESPN and CBS Sports list of the best ever NBA players. Uh, We will get to that. David Locke is going to be on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, so stay tuned for David. And at the top of the 4 o'clock hour, Gordon's arch nemesis, Dirk Facer, will be on with us. I'm told Gordon is with us now. Gordon, hello. Why do you keep saying that Dirk is my nemesis? I love Dirk Facer. I always say I don't know. I don't know. It's just this weird vibe. You know, uh, weird vibe. I got your vibe. A nemesis vibe <laughs> there. Uh, not at all. Not at all. How are you, Gordo? What's going on? I don't on? know. Anybody doesn't like Dirk. Agreed. Um, how am I doing? How am I doing? How am I doing? I'm doing all right. That yeah. took a minute. Everything okay? Yeah. Okay. Everything's good. Well, I hope everything's good with you and Austin and all our listeners out there. Uh, yeah, I I feel pretty good. Do you? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. <I'm glad. laughs> Come to think of it. <laughs> yeah, to do a little pers- personal assessment. Uh, yeah. There. Okay. I stopped and thought about it, and I thought, wait a minute. What do you have to complain about? But um, as I was kind of laying out the show, Gordon... Um, you know, talking about all the happenings and all the things that uh, that we're going to do. Sometimes, right before a show, news will break or or something will happen that completely alters uh, how you go in and, and begin a show. And uh, that's actually what's happened today. So I, I wanted to lay out everything that we've got to do, but we have to start 
uh, at, at a certain spot immediately. So I wanted to get the pleasantries out of the way, and uh, we're going. Uh, Gordon, I didn't even know about this in the until the two minutes in between now and when we talked on, on the phone. You stubbed your toe? No, I did not stub my oh. toe, but we were made aware of something. Oh, what? Uh, Dave Slumalockton on Twitter tweets in. And I, I had not heard this, so I'm grateful to Dave for uh, alerting us to this. Uh, he says, did you guys hear the latest Ingalls Insight podcast? Joe Ingalls podcast. Uh, Aaron Falk talked about how Gordon swooped in to do a piece about Joe. Gordon uh, got a Gordon impersonation from Aaron as well. Gordon. Yes. Should we, uh, we're, we've got the audio. I just wondered if... If there's anything you wanted to say before we play I, this I, audio. I, I don't think there's anything that I can say, but I I will react. Okay. All right. I, I have not heard I have not heard this and I've I've gotta tell you, I I cannot wait to hear this. <laughs> I mean knowing Aaron, I've heard it, it's great. And we love Aaron. Uh, and Aaron worked with you for a long time over there at the at the trib. So this is this is gonna be quite good. All right, I'm excited. Austin, hit it. Eventually got into sports because I really liked um, writing feature stories, just telling stories of people's lives. And did you uh, ever write one on me? You know, I think Gordon Monson came in and swooped in. He's like, "I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna take care of this one. <laughs> I'm gonna, Aaron. I think I got an idea." Um, that was incredible. <laughs> that was incredible. Oh, come on, it wasn't that good. Swooped in. Uh, you know, that's a problem. When you're a columnist and you have beat writers and whatnot, you kind of swoop in, I guess, the way he said it, and I'm, steal I'm the I'm going to take care of this one. <laughs> I'm going to Aaron. I think I got an idea. <laughs> oh, brother. That is hilarious. That's brilliant. What a great way to start the show. That is amazing. So I swooped in and stole his story, and he was talking to Joe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron co-hosts that podcast with uh, with Joe. The funniest aspect of that whole thing was that when I swooped in to steal Aaron's story away from him, uh, I I said, "Joe, let's let's sit down." And we went over and sat down on the side of a court over at the practice facility. And Quinn Snyder saw us and kind of waved at us and said you're talking to him you know and i said yeah and he said he's gonna bore you or he made some insult you know and he and he walked off over to the other side of the facility and then like two hours later he came back and he we lost gordon in, in the middle of of such a gripping tale but anyway, that's a fun way to start off with Aaron Falk doing a Gordon Monson impression. So, that, that's the problem. Gordon, we, we lost you. You're back, though. You're a columnist. Gordon, you got it? You swoop in and steal people's material, and then you swoop back out. I always looked at it like I was trying Can to not hear me? do a favor, you know, relieve some of the uh, workload, but maybe that's not the way beat guys look at it. Well, not in this case. <laughs> you think he was trying to... You think that was done with love, or do you think that was done with spite, Aaron? The yeah. the impression and telling that story. Uh-huh. I, I don't think Aaron has any spite toward you. Oh, okay. Do you? No, I, I didn't think so. What do I know? I, I think Aaron enjoys your company. 
Well, apparently he's been listening to me enough to be able to right, you know, come right. up with that. Is that better than Austin's? Oh, they're they're all good in their own way. Eric Walden, <laughs> Austin, uh, <laughs> e- e- Aaron Falk, even uh, Kyle Gunther does a fine Gordon Monson impression. Uh, let me hear that one more time. I want to I want to rate it on a scale from zero to ten. You know, I think Gordon Monson came in and swooped in. He's like, I'm I'm gonna. I'm, I'm going to take care of this one. I'm going to, Aaron, I think I got an idea. Uh, who was who was laughing in the background? That's Joe's wife, Renee. Oh, was that Renee? Yeah, Joe and Renee oh. do the podcast with Aaron. Okay. And uh, I believe they're doing it weekly. Mm. All right. Well, uh, not bad. I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me to judge such things, but I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't take offense. So you're you're not denying the swoop. You're just saying you view it differently. Well, you know, I, I don't like I don't like taking people's stuff. You know, I don't like and 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 some beat writers are really really and you can ask Dirk about this, uh, but some beat writers are territorial about about their what they cover. And they they don't want guys necessarily willy nilly swooping in coming around but, every two years, you know. Do you, wait, wait, wait. Do you think exactly? Do you think Dirk has similar stories about Brad Rock swooping in? <laughs> we'll have to ask him. He probably did, does. Did Brad swoop up Dirk's stories? I don't know. That doesn't yeah. seem like something Brad would do. Uh, well, I mean, he's got to write something. You know, but, you know? but Jake, when I was at the LA Times, this stuff happened all the time. Okay, guys swoop in. That's just how it happens. Jeez, oh, that was good. Oh, man. That was good. Uh, well, anyway, well, I'm, uh, I'm an original, like... Jake. Jake, I'm an original. It's, it, true, there is only one. The one and only. The oft impersonated, but never yeah. duplicated. Well, people make fun of me for the way I sound, and, you know, I have a slow delivery. Hey, that is hey, not hey, what's going on. Not... And, I, and I have a monotone voice, and I have this. But, you know, it's who I am. It's who I am. It's how I do it. It's And it works. So what, what, what am I going to change because somebody thinks it's funny or... And it's not it's... making fun. It's, <laughs> it's not. It's done with, with love and respect. Well, that's the way I take it, but I could be fooling myself. No, I mean yeah. nobody has an impersonation of me. I'm not important <laughs> enough. Look, you've got, Wait, you've got hey Joe Ingles, how's this going? You, you've got famous people like like Aaron Falk that are doing impressions of you. I mean that is that's incredible. Hey Joe, how are you today? That's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> Joining us now from the Desert News, our good friend. He makes the magic happen. Dirk faces Dirk. How's it going? I just don't like either one of you very much. See, that is mockery. That no, is not, it's that not. Is, that is complete that's mockery. Done, that's done with absolute love. No. And respect, comma, dis. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, that's what we do around here. <laughs> we there have you Pro go, Bowler, you Dick were... Weber, coming up on the show. Wait, wait. You're even more famous uh, than you were before the show, so congratulations. You're now uh, a part of Joe Ingles' podcast, kind of. I like that he said, I, I, Aaron, I've got an idea. Because so, <laughs> I can hear you say so, that. Why don't you go ahead and put away that notebook and... Uh, go back to covering zoning ordinances. You look you like remember? a coffee shop kind of guy. Why don't you go pick up a double latte? Oh, Aaron is a very talented guy. 
So apparently he does impersonations too. I didn't know that, but uh, I bet I'll there's do. a swath of people at the Tribune that have a Gordon Monson that have a Gordon yeah. impression. That would be quite frightening, actually. But I don't know because so they never see me over there. <laughs> so we've got mine. We've got Bowlers. We've got Waldens, and now we've got Aaron Fox. Yep. We've, we're up to four. Pretty good. Do you have one with Gordon? Not really, no. Oh. I could try I and did. work one up over time. But. <laughs> I'll tell you, this is ridiculous here. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never thought of you as monotone. You, never. you described yourself that way. I, I've never thought of you as monotone. <laughs> Can I have the violin? There's <laughs> plenty of inflection in your voice. Why? Why have people told you you're monotone? <laughs> I don't know. I. I was born in the woods. What does that have fought, to do with anything? Fought my, fought my way out of it. Pulled myself up by the bootstraps and moved forward with life. Who were you fighting? <laughs> Bears. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, we man. all got a story. We all got a story, but uh, I'll take it all in good humor. I've known some people who could do impersonations that were really, really good. And they were afraid to do them because people get angry. But uh, but you're me, not one of those people. No, I don't care. It all comes uh, from a good place. And, you know, you're not very apologetic about your swooping. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> well, if I anything, have... you admitted to swooping, but we're like, well, I, don't, I just don't look at it as swooping because well, I'm, I mean, you know. I just don't know what else you're supposed to do. Because there's that, numero uno and everybody else. So. He actually What's turned that? it back on the beat writer by saying, well, they're territorial. Uh, they are very there. sensitive. Well, they are, but that's okay. It's their, their baby. And I occasionally come in or others like me, we come in. But here's, here's the difficult thing between a columnist and a beat writer is the beat writer is trying to establish relationships, and then the columnist swoops in, as it were, and starts spouting off uh, his big bazoo about opinions about what this coach or what that player is doing, and then sometimes you can make their life a little more difficult. I think I got an idea. (laughs) Aaron, that's pretty funny. Anyway, uh, yeah. I'm an Aaron. I think I got an idea. <laughs> oh, That's amazing. What would happen if we had Joe on our show? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Joe, I, I haven't heard Joe do any impressions. Maybe you'd be his first. No, I just, everybody else, uh, you know, and DJ and PK have him on on the Joe Ingles show, and he's doing a podcast now. I wondered what would happen if we had Joe. Because I was, I was really the first one who told the Joe Ingalls story because I swooped in and stole it from Aaron, <laughs> apparently. But, uh, and I got to know Joe's background, and he was very open and honest with me about, at least I thought he was, uh, kind of like O.J. was with me. But uh, anyway. Uh, whoa, whoa, uh, whoa. Did you just compare? That was an awkward comparison. No, I was making fun of myself for believing oh. what O.J. told me. Okay. But, but you were uh, implying that. Joe might have also misled you in that. No, way? no, I th- no. I'm just saying that uh, I, I I didn't think he did. Okay, but I, all right. Do you now that, think so? Okay, I'm no, sorry. I made that no. more uncomfortable. Then please proceed. Not at all. But uh, but anyway. Uh, so sometimes you make people's lives a little more difficult because you express your opinion, and then they blame uh, their anger at you on they project it onto others who are trying to. Uh, stay balanced or whatever. 
similar to what happened uh, to you in the the clueless Kyle scenario. Look, I that was not my fault. That's what I'm saying. The, the yeah. headline writer should have gotten the blame for that. You were indeed writing Most a definitely a, a column, honestly expressing a fair opinion. And I went back and I looked at the headline just to make sure that I had it. My memory was right about when I predicted the Jazz were going to beat the Bulls in 98 after a game one victory. And and I said essentially that I was uh, essentially it was a prediction that the Jazz would beat the Bulls. And PK at that time was working on the desk and he wrote the headline that said, Jordan will walk off the court a loser. Or something like that. And that, as I said, uh, conflagrated the whole thing. Well, that is what uh, you were saying. Well, yeah, but that's... (laughs) All right. I just was predicting that the Jazz would win. I wasn't calling Jordan a loser. But if if the Jazz were to have won, then Jordan would walk off the floor, A. Yes, but Unless he was traded mid-series. But you understand the the uh, subtle difference between those two things. You accusing PK of some sort of yellow journalism? Uh, kind of, yeah. Wow. Let's he, get he, PK he, on the line. Get him on the line. He wears it like a badge of honor. He laughs about that all the time. Mm. You, you insult a man's integrity and he laughs about it? <laughs> that doesn't sound no, like the PK no. I know. I don't know how long you've been listening, 6 to 10, but that doesn't sound like the, uh, the kid hand that, uh, that I know and love. He, he was being colorful. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. At my expense. I see. That's All right. So well, let's let's get into it. We've got a lot to do today. A lot of <laughs> Love NBA. You, PK. Love you, PK. A lot of NBA news out there. Shout out to Aaron Falk. Uh, next time we have uh, him on the show, we may. I have an idea. Have to coax that out of him. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and take the ball from here. I'm going to take care of this one. I'm going to Aaron. I think I got an idea. I'm going to take the ball and run with it here. You uh, you keep your idea for another time. You, you go talk to Elijah Millsap. I'm I've gonna... got an idea. My ideas come from L.A., okay? Well, that's the best one. I used to chip golf balls into the Rose Bowl. I took the 405, the 210. Oh, man. John right. Wooden knows who I am. John Wooden knows who you are, Gordon? He was my first interview. Actually, I knew that. I was the that. first one to tell the John Wooden story. Okay, Jake? <laughs> no, no, I would, I would have had to told, tell that story back in 1947 or something. What about the? But you wrote the movie, that one movie. I did. I did. The fox. That I will not back away from. The fox somebody, Unless somebody uh, threatens to sue me. <laughs> I didn't know you. You have have you wrote many screenplays? No, but I wrote that one. <laughs> Foxcatcher. Uh, that movie I've seen once, and that was enough. Yeah. Yeah. It gives that's, you the creeps. Yeah, that's it? a tough story. All right. Yeah. Uh, it is the big show. Coming up next, we'll we'll get the latest uh, from the <laughs> I NBA. Had, you know, I had an idea. I got this one. <laughs> and then somebody else came along and piggybacked off of it. Things picked up steam yesterday. During and after our show, we'll give you the latest next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Holiday, oh, holiday, and the best one of the year. Doors are not underneath my sheets while I cover both my ears. 
show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Band of the day today is Vampire Weekend, selected by Sydney and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. I don't know if I've ever heard this band. Austin said uh, we've had it before, Gordon. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I am not that familiar with that band, but uh, that my daughter said uh, that our, our listeners might like that. All one, right. So there you go. We'll see. They have a song called Horchata that we'll play later. Really? I don't know Horchata, what it sounds like, but like, I like the name. Like the delicious drink? Yes. Horchata? Wow. Okay. Wow, I could go for a Horchata about oh, now. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Uh, Gordon, let's talk a little NBA basketball. Uh, we talked yesterday about the Players Association kind of in the players' interest in returning, and it's funny how the, the story really evolved yesterday, and we'll get to the players here in a moment. But uh, there was a Board of Governors call with uh, Adam Silver, and uh, according to various reports, Silver left that meeting very um, uh, optimistic about the league's return. And uh, the players, it would appear, because this was a, a funny part of Sham's reporting yesterday, Gordon, you'll remember Sham said, there's been no formal polling amongst the players, nothing authorized. We laughed at that language. And then seemingly three hours later, Sham's reports, <laughs> players, uh, majority, um, uh, the majority of players on board with idea of return. It's like, <laughs> wow, that was... That went from not happening to already happened really, really quickly. But it appears... That the players and owners are both um, at least rowing in the same direction for the moment. And Adam Silver, at least, feels optimistic and uh, says hopes to make a decision in two to four weeks. Yes. uh, Every day that goes by, uh, I think a a greater amount of useful knowledge is available uh, for them to make the right decision. And uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised, Uh, but it will be in some sort of reformed fashion that will be unlike anything we've ever seen before but at least there will be games to watch right oh yeah this is i mean if you're expecting anywhere near the normal nba product that simply isn't going to happen i'm not a a big ufc fan gordon per se but i I did check it out just to check it out because it's sports going on and i was kind of curious about the fan thing and it's totally different i mean it's Mm -hmm. it's totally different but if it means having the NBA back, and frankly, if it means the NBA, uh, you know, thriving as much as it possibly can to get them through this circumstance, I am 100% on board and would love to see uh, meaningful games, regardless of it taking some getting used to. So you raised the question about fans not being in the stands, and we've talked about that in the past, but we haven't really talked about the effect it'll have on the individual players and the teams of players as they go about their business. Do you think it will be different? Do do you think it will affect different players differently? Some guys might rise to the occasion because they get caught up in the moment and when you have 20,000 people right on top of you and they are cheering for you or against you, uh, that's different than playing in an empty building. Yeah, it's a lot different. I I think it's going to even things out. Obviously, the home court advantage is is not um, a, a thing that is going to exist. But let me answer your question by saying I think it will affect teams more than players. Because they're trying, and, and this was part of what we learned yesterday, they're trying to bring all the teams back to 
get some sort of conclusion to the regular season. We talked about this the other day, hitting that mark where you get your uh, payment from the, the regional broadcasters or essentially your local TV money. If uh, And I believe DJ and PK said it was 70 games. So if you get all your teams to 70 games, that's uh, at least some money coming through the door. But with that being said, you know, there are going to be teams that return that have nothing to play for. I mean, zero to play for. And unless they throw out like a G League roster of guys scrapping to make the league, I mean, it's there's not going to be, I think, a whole lot of effort from those types of teams. That that being said, I think teams that have stuff to play for, uh, especially, you know, once we get into the playoffs, I I think absolutely you'll see 100 percent from the teams. Uh, playing now, will it take a, a few minutes to get used to shooting in an empty, you know, gym? Probably, but I mean, uh, I think that the the effort level will be extremely high when teams have something to play for. I've always wondered about the effect that the crowds have on on individuals and on teams because they seem pretty good at blocking it out when they need to. Like when you go on the road. If you're going to allow a crowd to affect the way you play, then you're, you're in trouble at that level. You're going to be in trouble on the road because you hear all kinds of things. But it seems like some players, when they hear that, that uh, the, the, uh, you know, a, an opposing crowd getting after them, they, they play even harder. They play even better. They want to shut that crowd up. But when you're in an empty building, it just seems like, okay, now you've got to find a different way to motivate yourself. And maybe maybe the, if you're only listening to the coaches and the instructions that come from your coaches and your teammates, then, then it won't be that much different. But I, I just think it's part of the human condition to allow that kind of crowd power to, uh, to affect you at some level, maybe – not always for each player at the same. Well, oh, on the whole, Gordon, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to really speculate philosophically with you. Uh, on, on the whole, I think vibes matter. Vibes in a building, you know, if if you know the vibes are going against you, the boos, the jeers, that sort of thing. You know, booing during the free throws. I mean, yeah, I think part of human nature is not is is not performing as well in those circumstances, and you know, the opposite when the the vibes are. Are positive. I think it's easier to get you know momentum going personally, psychologically, whatever the case may be. And I, I think that works for most athletes out there and most humans for that matter. But but there are circumstances where you see players react positively to those negative circumstances, and they actually use it to take uh, things to a different level. And there's a bunch of obvious uh, examples out there, including Michael Jordan. But I'll give you one. And remember uh, when it was the Rudy Hayward. Not their first year in the playoffs, but the year before where they were eliminated by the Dallas Mavericks in basically the last week of the season. And Darren Williams had a just unbelievable game and beat the Jazz because they boo- the, the crowd booed him every time he got the ball. I truly believe if you look at the rest of his season, I don't, I don't know if he had a performance even coming close to that, what we saw that night. And uh, the fact that the crowd gave him that extra motivation, I, I believe lost the Jazz that game and cost them the playoffs, interestingly enough. But I think on the most part, I think players play better at home because the positive atmosphere lifts them to better heights. But it's not always the case. Yeah, I just yeah, I agree with everything you said. I, I just don't know what it will be like for them when they're so used to playing in front of these masses to have – you can hear 
each other talk. You can hear the bounce of the ball. You can hear everything so clearly. That's got to be weird for them. But if they're motivated by what comes from within, then they'll they'll bring their game to a high level regardless of uh, who's in the building and who's not. And I think I wonder, that'll be you know, the case. They, didn't they say that the Dream Team, didn't they say that on the, uh, on the Jordan docuseries, that when the Dream Team was uh, practicing, uh, that, that, that the level was really, really high? And I can't remember whether there were very many people on hand. There was basically no there one. No, there was basically no one there. That was and one Jordan, of the more interesting things I think we've learned in this docuseries, actually, was that game and that experience of going to the Olympics. Yeah, and Jordan took over, and others kind of peeled away. But I, I, I just wonder what that dynamic will be. And, and you mentioned earlier the teams who are sort of out of it and uh, playing just to hit that number uh, as opposed to playing for a playoff spot. Uh, oh, come on. What are those teams going to do? They're not, they're not going to be motivated to do anything. No, they're not, but they've just got to get through it. And then those who are playing for – some sort of situation where they can uh, continue playing. Uh, that, that that will be interesting to see whether these guys are inspired. Like, for instance, you think when Donovan Mitchell hears the crowd roar that he jumps a little higher on yeah. those dunks? Do you think it, it, it – I mean, I don't know. I've never asked him that question specifically. Well, see, I, I, I don't think it's a physics thing necessarily because we we've seen donovan do plenty of outstanding dunks on the road and that sort of thing but does he have the the extra juice to make the move that leads to the dunk right or to even attempt it in the first place right right is he motivated because even if you're on on the on some other team's floor you're still showing people something right and the tv cameras are there they're gonna know that but i don't know it's just being there in front of all those people it's I I don't recall ever asking that question specifically in all my years of doing this. I mean, I've asked about the effect of crowds and all that sort of thing, but not in any real specific manner that that, uh, applies to the situation we're looking at now. Well, as far as the the consuming public goes, not the players but the fans, Mm -hmm. I don't think think we're going to care. Not one bit. We're going to watch it because it's NBA basketball and it's competition. It's our teams and it's all that stuff that that we just love. And we're going to consume it and it's going to be different. And we're going to go, okay, this is going to take a minute to get used to. Then we'll get used to it. And and it's going to be a really, really good thing. Like those uh, stupid Vuvuzela things that Austin often <laughs> likes to, to make fun of. I mean, what I, I'm not a huge soccer enthusiast, but I watched a few matches in, in that World Cup. And you noticed it for about the first two minutes of the broadcast. And then it just became soccer again. No, I think you noticed it. It sounded like a, a, a swarm of bees, you know, coming to uh, attack. And you got used to it. I got used to it. Yeah. I mean, I, and, I, and, and honestly, Gordon, it, uh, life right now, there's a lot of getting used to it going on. <laughs> and, and we're getting used to it. And, and yeah. we're proceeding. And that's great. That's that's exactly what uh, what we need to do. The NBA is no different than going to the grocery store. I went there to the grocery store today, wore a mask. Did uh, a, like month ago, two months ago, would have that been weird and felt weird? Yeah, but I'm getting used to it. It's fine. What happened to you at the grocery store? 
Oh, I, I it sounded I, like something really traumatic happened. No, 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 no. Far from traumatic, but I, I did find it, I did find it funny. Uh, the I'll, I'll just uh, there were a couple of things that happened. Well, I'll just tell you the one. Uh, I, I go to check out. You know, I'm doing. It's just me. I'm I'm still doing the grocery shopping for my family. I I do that anyway usually, but uh, it was just me this morning. And so I I'm checking out. Uh, I'm going to check out, and I pull into a lane where there's one dude in front of me, and he's only buying uh, a handful of things, right? And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. bam, yeah, like jump right in. And uh, and start putting my stuff on the conveyor belt, right? right. Then all of a sudden, uh, the this guy goes to pay in front of me, and I'm not kidding, Gordon, dumped out a bag full of change <laughs> onto the conveyor belt, a bag full of change. Now I want to be I want to be careful in proceeding that I. I trying very hard throughout this entire thing not to be judgy and i don't know what that dude's financial circumstance is and maybe that's the only way he can pay for what he needs so that being said uh, but i was still absolutely taken aback i was like did that did this guy just dump a, a handful of change out on the conveyor belt and he, he's there there it's had to be at least half pennies too and they just like the the poor the poor checkout guy was like oh man he just starts diving in counting out change in today's day and age we're we're really supposed to be using cards whenever possible I'm sure he was somewhat uncomfortable right and I'm not kidding Gordon it, it had to take ten to fifteen minutes for them to count out this change and for him to scoop the leftover change which was probably about eighty pennies back <laughs> into the bag I mean it was unbelievable meanwhile this guy is just leaning over the conveyor belt completely ignoring the plexiglass that's right next to him <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself what is go-? and and at this point I'm too invested in it right because all my stuff's on the conveyor belt so it's like well I'm just waiting this one out and uh Anyway, I basically told the checkout guy, I was like, man, I don't know what they're paying you, but it's not enough to do that. Uh, but anyway, it, it just should was, he have, I think he probably should have gone to a bank or something and maybe cash that in. Well, they, they have the coin counting thing at this particular grocery store, but that takes what, you know, 10 percent off the top or whatever it is. I don't I don't know. But I, I just was I, I was wow. I was like, wow. Is that a bag of coins coming out of that guy's uh, basket? Sure is. Yeah. Wow. Poured it all yeah. over the conveyor belt and just basically looked at the check uh, checker and said, all right, let's get to work. Nosing through these pennies. I got six dollars and 80 cents to come up with. Let's get to counting. <laughs> I honestly, oh and I you probably don't see, you don't see, you don't see that very often anymore. I I probably like should have just told. I thought about this, just saying six eighty, whatever. Just put it on my tab. Just get this poor guy out of here. <laughs> but he still would have had to scrape up all that change off the off the conveyor belt, which that rubbery surface was not really conducive to scraping up change. He had to pick it all. I mean. <laughs> It was it was really something else. <laughs> it was really something. I would else. have liked to have seen the look on your face when that happened. Oh man, uh, I just. I mean, I, you're going to be there a while. Did you pull a, a book out and start reading? I I thought about saying something like, "Dude, what are you doing? Paying in in change?" But then that's when the thought crossed my mind. Like, I don't know. Maybe this is the only way he can he can pay for this sort of thing. And I have no idea what he was buying. So I don't know. Maybe he had. Uh, maybe he had uh, been. You know how. When you were a kid, did you ever like collect your coins, your excess change, and put it in like a jar or something? Yeah, like now that? is not the time to empty out the change <laughs> jar. You know, the you can wait a couple of months before you clear out the old swear jar, huh? 
Yeah, but maybe. <laughs> Is that what it was called? I had a big, uh, when I was a kid, I had a big, uh, I don't know what they use those for. You ever seen those giant glass bottles that are like 20 gallons? <laughs> uh they're more like jugs, like right? Like the water jugs? Is that what yeah, you're talking about? Yeah, the giant things. But the, but the one I had was glass. And so I decided I'd start collecting my change that way. Anytime I'd lose change, you know, I was saving my money, trying to be responsible and all that. And I, I, I darn near, I didn't fill the thing, but I had it half full. I weighed a ton. Whitney and I each have one on our nightstand. We do the same. Really? I'm just... I, I'm just Take it aback by even when describing Gord, the, the water jug that Gordon used, you can't just use plastic like the rest of us. It has to include that detail. <laughs> no, I just didn't know. I mean, I, we, I we had why. glass, of course. I mean, <laughs> let's, let's. I don't know why I had that. I don't know where I got it from. It's not like I was out on the North 40 milking cows or something. You know, where'd that, why did I, where'd I get that thing? Uh, uh, crate and barrel would be my guess. <laughs> but <laughs> Here's my here's my question. Pottery barn Austin, issue. Austin, you're you're saving all that change. What are you going to do with it? Oh, we only put pennies in them. All the other change goes to the vending machine. Let's not get crazy here. <laughs> so what are you going to do with it? Whatever the heck I want to do with it. I'll gonna hold well, up the line at Dan's or wherever. That's what I'm going to do with it. <laughs> no, you're not going to take that money and go pay for something with it. Watch me. <laughs> See, you should. And you know why, Austin, is to prove me wrong. Do you know that I basically cut pennies out of my life several years ago? Where anytime I get changed and they go to give me pennies, I just say, no, thanks. I had a roommate that threw them away. Yeah, right. I I just decided, like, whenever I'd go into the change drawer to go in and get a soda or something like that in the car, right, I'd just come out with a fistful of useless pennies. And so I decided that I was no longer going to collect them because it was not worth it. But if you collect them in mass... Like that. I mean, I've been doing it for seven or eight years. I bet I have three or four dollars by now. So. Right. See, I, I tried to do the loose calculation <laughs> in my mind to, 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 like, how much am I really sacrificing on a yearly basis to cut pennies out? And it had to be like four bucks. So all right. Like, so this here's is a, not worth it. Here's an attendant question then. And all our listeners, think about this for a second. If you're walking down the street and you see a penny on the ground, are you going to take the effort to bend over and pick up that penny? See, now here's a social experiment. What value on the ground would it take for you to bend over and pick it up? That was my next question. And does it change but after COVID? All right. Oh, I, I think absolutely that's a relevant like question. Like pre-COVID, I'm picking up that penny. Right. Pre-COVID. Now I'm right, not. Would you really? Yes. Not a penny, not a no, chance. No, you're not. A penny uh, saved is a penny so, earned. So what, uh, does it have to be paper bill? I mean, a dollar? I pick, I'll $10? pick up a quarter. You'll pick up a quarter. Not right. a nickel? No. It depends on what kind of mood I'm in. You, I'm might, you might think at first glance the nickel is a quarter. That's bend down, true. find out it's a nickel. You're going to pick it I'm up I'm picking then. it up. No, I'm not picking up a quarter. I'm not picking up a nickel. Not a quarter? No. Gordon's like, call me when we get to a grand. Uh, qu- you no, won't, you no. won't pick up a stray quarter. No. I don't know where that thing's been. That's all money, though. It's about to be in my pocket is where it's going to be. <laughs> What are you talking about? That's, that's no that's different. A quarter dollar. That's no different than the twenty dollar bills that come out of your ATM, Gordon. <laughs> and yes, it's twenty dollar bills, not lower. No, I, I, I don't know. That's an interesting that question. Is, but that's that's infuriating that you would not I, stoop to pick up a quarter. No, I don't think so. Man, I want your I, life. 
I might look around and, and think, I wonder, I wonder who lost their, their quarter. But I, Some I poor person that. dropped that quarter down there. No, that's not the way I look at it. I just don't know whether I would, uh, I would go to much effort to pick up a quarter. Hmm. All right. <laughs> I would in my house, probably. You, you're never allowed to use cash ever again. Based on this opinion, you're never uh, allowed to, to pay for anything in cash ever. Why is that? Because all cash is that way. <laughs> How many people have handled that $20 bill in your wallet? Probably thousands. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. That's a yeah. fact. Unless you get it so, brand newly minted. Gordon gets fresh uncut sheets yeah. from the mint. No, no, I'm just wondering, well, Austin, Mr. Germaphobe over there, you're picking up stuff that people have been, who knows where it's been. My daughter likes to eat. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was the one thought I had when you were talking about the guy in front of you. I thought, what if what if he's uh, down on his luck or these are the la- this is the last bit of, of uh, a resource that he has. And so he was, what was he doing? Did you notice what he was buying? No. Uh-uh. I did not. Huh. Liquor. It was all bagged up. <laughs> no, I, I, I can safely say here in the state of Utah that it was not ah, liquor. Yeah. That, was, that was not the store I was at. All right. Anyway, he, he, he looked fairly like a normal dude, probably in his 50s or 60s. But, yeah, paying in all change and mostly pennies. It was it was something else. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up, 97.5 and 1280 of the Zone. In December, drinking hot chata. I look psychotic in a balaclava. Winter's cold is too much to handle. Bench of crabs, a bench at your sandals. Joe Gordon, Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We've got what's going on coming up at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. I'm told at least one of the clips fits right into the way we started the show today. So that's that's good. Gordo, did you uh, did you see these stories going around about uh, Robert Sarver and Jason Tatum? I did not. And I really just bring this up because uh, it, it's just an interesting note, but also an example of how good ownership, you and I talk about this a lot, makes a, uh, a huge difference. Well, Earl Watson has gone on a, um, a podcast recently, and he, of course, is a former jazz player, former Suns coach, and uh, talked about some of the stuff going on. And I'll just read right from it. It says, Wat- uh, Watson wanted Tatum badly enough to hold what he called uncomfortable conversations with team owner Robert Sarver, trying to convince the organization it would do whatever it took to draft Duke star, uh, the Duke star. Sarver preferred Josh Jackson, Watson said, but Watson kept pushing back with a different idea. We need to get bleeping Tatum, Watson recalled saying. What does Robert Sarver know? Well, I mean, and then you look, uh, supposedly they didn't pick Luka Doncic because they wanted the local guy, DeAndre Aiden, because Sarver liked him. I just, oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Booker and Tatum together would be pretty, pretty interesting. And, and basically, Sarver said he didn't like Tatum. And, and they recalled a, an anecdote in here where during his workout for the team, Sarver went up to Tatum after Tatum took some shots and said, "Okay, what else can you do?" So I guess Sarver kind of thought it was duplication with Devin Booker. But mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, is that really a bad thing? And second of all, Jason Tatum can do a lot. 
He is a special player. Yeah, I, I, yeah, this is one of those interesting aspects to ownership that you've got to know. I, I think owners are, are important in a lot of roles, but basketball decisions, if somebody on your staff feels strongly about something, shouldn't you defer to that? Yes, but that can often be delicate, right? I mean, because you're the one making the ultimate decision. Gail Miller right. herself has, has talked to us about that uh, numerous times in the past. But so. the thing about Gail is she trusts the people she who she's hired to do a job. And I understand who pays the bills. I, I get that. But if, you, if you're going to start redirecting the ship based on your basketball acumen, I... I don't know. I, I think that's risky business. That's what you hire those people to do. And I think that's really delicate. And, and I believe in uh, the same interview, Gail told us she's never um, put her foot down about anything. But but she requires you know management to come to her and lay it all out and explain it and why it makes sense and why they're doing what they're doing. Right. So and it's that, that delicate that's... ownership where, like, yeah, I need to know. I need to be informed. And, uh, you know, I'm signing the checks after all, too. Well, you're out there doing your job. And I'm sure that comes in the justification that management takes to Gail, right? Well, I, look, I, I know that most owners are really smart people. I mean, they've figured certain things out in order to put themselves in a position they're in, a lot of them anyway. And so they probably are pretty good at judging certain circumstances. But why hire people if... You're not going to listen to what they have to say. Now, I'm not saying you always have to agree. And when there are differences of opinion, then you you work it out from there. But I want to trust if I'm hiring somebody to make basketball decisions, I want to be able to trust them. And I want to believe that they're smarter than I am in that particular realm. Mm-hmm. I, I would think so. I, and I, if you override that then you are cutting the legs out from under the people that you've hired to do a job. Which it sounds like is exactly what Robert Sarver has been doing for years. And then what, is, what effect does that have on your organization? Well, the Suns have stunk for quite some time. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Those are tricky, tricky questions. But if, it, it, even, if, even if you feel strongly about something, if it comes down to a tie, I think you have to defer to the people who are experts. That's why you hire them. I don't care if you're talking about the owner of a basketball team or you're talking about President of the United States. You, whoever you are in a position of power, I understand you're supposed to have good judgment. That's your value. But it is not to be an expert in a particular field. There are times when that judgment uh, involves just acquiescing to that expertise. All right. uh, Coming up next, we've got what's going on. A look across the big news and opinions uh, on the Zone Sports Network today. Don't forget Dirk Facer of the Deseret News joining us top of the 4 o'clock hour. And uh, David Locke jumping on with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.